0: Welcome to the Wise Men's Day Preview Podcast. We have Scunthorpe United away at the weekend. In the studio with me tonight, we have Mickey Loff. Hello. We have Matthew Keeling. Hello. And we also have Chris Weatherspoon. Hello. Are you everyone alright there? Yeah. Yes. Apart cold. from a little bit of a cold, well, you've got the sniffles. You're cold. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm not
1: cold now because I've been here half an hour. While these two oh, turn up. Oh. beef
0: already. <laughs> uh, right.
2: He's talking rubbish. So <laughs> we've
0: got lots <laughs> of through. on the on this edition of the Wiseman said podcast. You're going to hear from Jack Ross as he looks ahead to the weekend's fixture. Uh, we'll also have an away guide from Tom Walsh, which always goes down quite well. There's a, the occasional troll on Twitter about that, but we'll glide over that. Right. So we'll look back on the last league game, which was the one-one draw. Uh, at home to Luton, Chris. You haven't Please. said anything about this because I don't believe you were on the Monday podcast, were you? No, I wasn't. Um, wh- how did you see things uh, on Saturday?
1: Um, yeah, I-, I thought a draw was pretty fair. Yeah, I thought um, I thought they were one of the few sides who've actually managed to play decent football against us and uh, be quite effective. Like yeah, most like, the week before were a good example. tried to play. Nice passing football against us, and I think it's fair to say we tore them apart in the first half. I didn't think that was the case for Luton. Uh, I actually thought we scored pretty pretty against the runner of play. Mm. And um, yeah, I think I think the draw was a fair result. I mean, the referee uh, spoiled it a bit for you. He uh, he made it interesting. <laughs> um, he, he was he was, Very polite. he was he was terrible. Yeah. He, he was dreadful. Um, but I don't think it had like. Any real bearing on the result. I I think I'm one of the, f- the few people who thought it was a penalty at the time, and can still kind of understand why it was given. Yeah. Uh, in your opinion, what's he given it for then? I think he, I think he give for um, the foul. I think I think he's trying to say that they lad come in to hit it, and was it Flanagan or Baldwin? I, I forget now. It's four days. Flanagan. I think it was it's Flanagan. Flanagan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's trying. I, I think if the lad goes down. People are a lot more understanding of it.
2: I personally just don't think it was a penalty. I've watched it back and to be honest, why I said that Chris, like, where do you think the penalty is because I've watched it back so many times and I still can't identify the second he's given it? If that makes sense. Well it wasn't in his in his report that it was for handball
0: though.
3: Yeah. Well that's well, that's, well, just a, that's farcical then. No one it even
1: no one appealed for it. Is that true? 'Cause cause Ross came out afterwards and said that they clarified it was for the foul. Oh, right, James James Hunter from the Chronicle. But. said the same I'll be the reason I thought because at the time maybe, maybe I just like looked at it and thought he's gonna foul him here and when it was given and everybody around me was going oh what's up for him? I was like well, I, I think he's given it for the, for the foul but I suppose it's clearly a pretty contentious one if Five days on, we still don't know for definite exactly what it was
2: given for. I think Matthew makes a good point. I mean, as a referee, you can't go off player reaction, but it's always a really good indicator. And the Luton players almost reacted in a surprised manner when the penalty was given. Yeah. And I do agree with Chris. I do believe that the draw was a fair result at the weekend, but it was a manner in which the draw came about. That made sense and frustrated me.
0: Well, there's, you know, Chris Maguire's red cards being overturned in the yeah. meantime, which would suggest the referee you know, generally had a a, a bad day at the office didn't he yeah, yeah.
1: i read mean, the maguire one was like right in front of where i sit and it happened very quickly yeah but even though you know how they, they always say they're not that type of player mm. he definitely is that type of player <laughs> yeah so um
0: and that and the opposition player was working our players up the whole pretty much all the second half oh yeah half. yeah definitely
1: i, I mean like, from what i saw from there's like, i thought that was a red card at the time i actually i didn't think maguire's was yeah i thought it, it was kind of it looked more like he stumbled than he actually stamped on everyone mm. and they obviously they've overturned it so
3: What really frustrated me who the referee was, he was just making huge calls, just randomly, just really just randomly making decisions and I as if he didn't really know but he wanted to give something all the time, constantly, to show that like, I'm the referee here and I'm
1: I think the... it created even more because like he was a referee who we'd all heard of because he's refereed in the Premier League before. Yeah. And you kinda you kind of expect a sort of minimum level of mm. not even, it doesn't even have to be like getting every decision right, it's just a bit of control over the game. And it, the, like, I thought it was a really good game of football, but it could have actually been even better yeah. if the referee hadn't been so incompetent.
2: I mean, the refereeing decisions, I think, were just basically like the rules of the game were just put into a machine and they just were randomly generated <laughs> as the game went on. Like, because I just couldn't see any rationale behind a lot of his decisions. But like I see, I can't be too disappointed because I do think a draw was a fair result on reflection and I think if Luton had scored one of the chances I had in the first half in McLaughlin hadn't pulled off all those fantastic saves and Mm. we were talking about a point, I would be saying that it was a fair result but I'd be talking about Sunderland's deficiencies a lot more than the referee's
1: deficiencies. Yeah. Yeah. I think Saturday was the first time... Well, I I thought actually I thought somewhere against Shrewsbury but I thought um, Saturday we looked quite toothless up front which is... (laughs) Been pretty rare to say this. Yeah, there was a couple of occasions
0: where uh, a few chances fell in particular to Charlie White, didn't they? And you think oh, he's, he's got to do better from them.
1: He should score the header when um, yeah. McGee I actually I actually thought
0: it was McGeady following it in when I watched it at the time. I thought, well, yeah. I let him off. It was McGeady with the header. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but then thought uh, so, the replay yeah, it, it was, was. At White. the
1: time, like it looked like he should have scored, and then like watch it back and. Yeah, it was, he even, <laughs> close? Yeah. was he even close to scoring. Yeah, yeah. Miles away. Yeah, and, but but even that that was that was pretty much out of nothing. Mm. Uh, that was McGeady um, picking the ball off the bar from 25 yards, and I think um, obviously it's a different style. We'd have to play, we have to play if Wyke's up front. Yeah, and I'm not sure. But I didn't know really
0: right. Le- Sorry, I was going to say later on in the second half, deep into the second half, when we were. You know, we, we Oviedo came on, I think, a bit too late, perhaps. But yeah. when we were trying to get down the wings and just knock the ball into the right, way, that's what he does.
1: Yeah,
4: That's what he is. Like, He's talking about in
0: the your, box, I your, think. The thing which really him kind of... Him, him, him having to come deep just doesn't
3: seem Aye,
2: to work. I disagree with that slightly because I think there was plenty of half-decent balls into the box that he wasn't in the same postcode as. But there I was a think... period
3: in the second half, I think it was in the space of about a minute, I think Power, Maguire, and I think it might have been James, put four excellent balls across it, and he, just was, he was just nowhere. He was... Just stood in yeah. no man's land on the edge of the box.
1: I, I agree with that. I don't think positionally looked up to, up to uh, what you would have hoped for. I actually thought one of the problems we had though, like, was it felt like we were crossing the ball from the wrong areas a lot. Like we didn't. It was quite rare that we actually got in behind, mm. and I, it was it was fairly free it, with it, the ball. It was
0: crying out for some pace in the second half, wasn't it? As well. Yeah,
1: and I, I think I can understand why he waited to put Kim up around because we know he's very raw. But I just thought... I love men. that, raw. <laughs> <laughs> but, but when they were down to 10 men, and um, obviously we, we were going to push for it, I, I thought he probably could have come on a good 10, 15 minutes earlier.
2: Again, I would slightly disagree with that, because I think... I missed disagreement, do not I? I, that, yeah. I know I'm, I'm, there's normally quite a lot of consensus, <laughs> otherwise when I say a podcast was quite rare, but... Um, I just think Kempi I think at this stage in his development, I still think he's very much you bring him on for the last 10 minutes because when he comes on, it's essentially chaos theory, yeah. which is what football tends to be in the last 10 minutes of a lot of games. So that's why I think he's suited to that environment. But I think if he come on a little bit earlier when the game's still... Obviously, with having the man advantage, we naturally had a bit more of a ball, etc., etc. But I just think he can leave you really open and susceptible to a counter-attack given his style of play. So I think there's a right call to bring him on. I ironically, October slash November Jerome Sinclair would have been perfect, mm. but unfortunately, obviously, things didn't work out, and he's gone back to his parent club. He
0: has gone back to his parent club, and we'll bring that on to transfer talk now. We've seen the exit this afternoon of well, the promising youngster Andy Nelson's gone to Dundee, is it, I think, Yeah, uh, on a permanent deal. Didn't say that one coming. I thought he would come back because he's had quite a good loan spell out, hasn't he
2: recently? Yeah. He, he, I mean, he had a very good loan spell, out, and, and from looking at his goals, they were taken very well. He scored all kinds of goals, but I don't. Re- I'm not really too disappointed about it because I don't think he was quite good enough to break through at League One level. I mean, yeah. because I've I watched him playing in the 23s, and he, he's a good player. He's a, he's a, certainly a tryer. He puts himself about, but. Even when I watched like under twenty three, three's foot, he's never really like stood out for me. There's mm. been somebody who would like really make it in league football, but I wish him all the best because, like I say, he seems a very honest player, very good pro, and I, and I hope he makes it.
0: Chris, the Major saga goes on. It does, continues.
2: And what do you what do you think the the current
0: state of affairs are with with him? Uh,
1: it, It's gone very quiet. Um, the Greek
0: thing almost helped in a way, yeah. take the attention yeah. off it.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's gone really quiet, and I think like. This is the way, in my opinion, anyway. This is the way it should have been, anyway. Mm. I I never agreed with the public deadline. I think, as it was, I thought manager was excellent down at Charlton, but when it all kicked off the day before that, I was thinking, well, this is pretty terrible preparation for what's going to be a big game. Mm. And I just think um, there's a reason there's a reason these things happen behind closed doors because they can be quite disruptive. And I don't know, like obviously he was he was ill last weekend. I think um, a lot Seems of... to be
0: genuinely ill as well. But, yeah, I think in lot... the squad for the weekend. I think the
1: fact we have to say that, and that a lot of people's reaction at 2 o'clock last Saturday when they saw the team was, oh, hang on, what's going on there? Because
0: we've, been, we've yeah. been happy in the past with that kind but, of thing. Yeah, but
1: that was that was an offshoot of what had gone on like yeah. a couple of weeks before that, which... Like it, it isn't it isn't really what you want from uh, your top scorer, and I mean I, I don't know how true these stories are that he's going to hang around until the end of the season and then uh, pop off to Germany. But honestly, like in my opinion, if if the choice is between selling him for a smallish fee now and keeping him to the end of the season and not getting anything from him, I think I'd probably pick the latter, mm-hmm. just because I think if they lose him now. Um, it's going to take time for someone like Wyke to bed in properly, and it's kind of time that we don't really have. Yeah, and I think um. the obviously, like financially, you might look at it and go, well, "Hang on, we're, we're, we're losing out on that transfer money." But if we if we get a little bit now, but then miss out on promotion, that's going to be financially a lot worse.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I believe that the if he does go now, it will be looked back upon as a watershed moment. Should we fail to get promoted? Um, I think as well if Magia does go this month it leaves us short because we're looking to add Will Grigg as additional quality to the side or even if we're not actively pursuing Will Grigg as um, intentionally as it's kind of reported in the press we still are looking to bring in a quality striker now if Magia goes you're suddenly looking at bringing in two quality strikers and I'm just not sure where you find them from at this level mm-hmm. to get two players that can one to replace Magia and one to add the quality to the side so yeah. I think we're leaving ourselves very stretched should he go
0: well, let's just get behind him anyway. He's in the squad this weekend. C- completely agree. Yep. Right. Uh, we're going to have an away guide now. We're looking forward to the Scunthorpe game at the weekend. Tom Walsh has provided us with some audio. With
5: long haul trips to Oxford and Bristol ahead of us, a trip down to North Lincolnshire and to the town of Scunthorpe is one that will seem like a relative breeze. Gunthorpe, of course, known as the Industrial Garden Town, is home to Britain's largest steel plant, and also where Kevin Keegan started his illustrious career. It is also home to Glanford Park, the first purpose-built stadium following the Bradford City fire, and was constructed in 1988. And it's not, it's a relatively easy trip down here with the M62, M18, and then onto the M181, and then the parking is available at the ground. If you're arriving by train, it's a two-mile walk from the train station, so your best bet is either hopping on the number one bus from Scunthorpe bus station or hopping in a taxi from one of Scunthorpe's many hostelries. If you're stopping in the town centre, the camera-accredited Honest Lawyer pub on Oswald Road is a particular favourite among away supporters and has a range of burgers. They all seem to depict famous rock stars such as Lenny. If you fancy a really cheap beer, then you can head up to the Blue Bell, also on Oswald Road, which is, it has a legend about it that says to serve certain pints for £1.20. If you happen to be stopping nearer the ground, there's the Old Farmhouse, which is one of those, like, flying horse pubs or hungry horse pubs full of, you know, kids' food, play pens, stuff like that. Or, alternatively, you could head on to Berkeley Roundabout, where you'll find the Berkeley Hotel, which is one of the very few Sam Smith's hotels. So you can, once you finish your Taddy Lager, you can crash out in your Sam Smith's hotel room. And if you're staying over in Scunthorpe, I can't really recommend anything. So, have fun. Our thanks to Tom Walsh, as ever, for his away
0: guide. Yes, we are going down to Scunthorpe at the weekend. Glanford Park. Anyone ever been there before? No, no. I've been, I did a gig once in um, in Lincoln, which is near there.
3: Lincoln's alright. Yeah, and uh, the, a, a pub nice.
0: called the Lincoln Imp. And uh-huh. d- downstairs, there was a, in the in the basement of the uh, the pub, was like a a, a like bare knuckle boxing ring, which had loads of stains on it. Someone definitely died in that. I can't. I probably it, shouldn't have said was that. Was it but. like
1: some sort of fight club? Yeah. So yeah. You sh- you we found t- it. We, we shouldn't came be across it. About it we shouldn't, I now. shouldn't have come yeah, let's across move on. it. It
2: was a great gig, though. have the first rule's already been brought in. So if the
0: lads are going down there and they want to go for a night, they're linking him. Good. And also a great little boxing ring down in, in the basement. Check it out. Um, anyone going down?
3: I'm not, no. No, in oh. the words
0: of Tidy Temper, I've been to Southampton, but I've never been to Scunthorpe. Good. Um, Scunthorpe currently sitting Very 15th good. in League One. Um, played 28. Let's get this out. Sitting on 33 points. Um, conceded 53 goals, which would suggest you know, we, could, we could score the weekend. And it, of course, earlier in the season, when we met them at the Stadium of Light, it was that one of those 3 0 at half time things we did earlier in the season and then just kind of cruise through the second Probably the
3: comfortablest win.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I think people right. still complained, though, in the second half, that like we took yeah, our foot off the gas, is. I remember. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think what was funny was, um, like, half-time, we're like, Whoa, right, we're, we're, we're here, to, we're not messing around here, so I think
0: Yeah, it was good. But, and then Max Power scored in that game. He did. Uh, when it's he was... Max. He almost looked like a different player <laughs> back then to what he is now, in, in some ways, in, in a yeah. kind of forward uh, sense. He um, was great that day. I, yeah. Sorry, Chris. No, no, go on,
2: go on. I think Scunthorpe. it was very much a kind of what was all the fuss about game. Because yeah. we'd had the opening game against Charlton with all the hype, except yeah. we went around, and then we had the draw at Luton, which at the time, I mean, now it looks like an excellent point, but at the time people were unhappy at the result, and then you had the Scunthorpe game coming up, and you're thinking, oh, like, and then we're throwing it up at half-time, absolutely cruising, and Scunthorpe, honestly, I think they are the only team, really, that come be staying in my light, with the exception of Rochdale, and completely kind of just surrender. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Roch- at least Rochdale put up a good fight for half an hour. I was
1: going to say, I, thought, I actually thought Rochdale when we were, because we were three up at half time then, weren't we? And, yeah. and yeah. I, I don't really think we deserve to be three up. No, Scunthorpe. It's got to about six. Yeah, we yeah some but good but Rochdale
2: good. The Rochdale game, rather, we just had a spell, didn't we? Yeah. Of 10 minutes, where we scored the first goal, they, their heads went down, and we just capitalised on it with some excellent clinical finishing. Yeah. But the Scunthorpe game, it was just, you could tell that things weren't going well between like, them and the management because they lost. 3-0 at our place, and they got turned over 5-0 against Fleetwood a few days later, When the manager got sacked. Mm. so But I think um, it'll be a very different for side.
0: Yeah, absolutely. They've won four of the last five games, um, so they're, they're winning at the moment. They haven't lost since uh, they got defeated on Boxing Day to Luton, <laughs> yeah. uh, but that was at home. But
1: They apparently so, played quite well Yeah, against mm. Luton. A um, good few chances before so they're in a
0: little bit of form at the minute as they come into the game. Lee Novak was on 11 goals as well for them, and Stuart McCall, of course, is their manager.
1: Um, just th- point out to everyone that Lee, Lee Novak is a mag, yeah, really? you can definitely point, point that out, therefore deserves bearing, yeah, because he came through Walsham Boys Club, which makes him a mag, yeah, he played for Newcastle Blue Star. Which makes him a mag. mag.
0: Probably drinks Newcastle Brown Ale.
1: Yeah, which makes him a massive mag. <laughs> so, the said, the Vox mag. is coming back. Yeah.
0: I saw on Twitter today that the Vox beers are coming back. Yeah. I who's behind it, but...
2: Vox is here, it's great, it?
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of we've got loads of mags.
1: They have.
0: Yeah. So, well, keep that in mind <laughs> at, the, at the weekend. <laughs> just, just, um, we just we'll, just, we'll just dangle out there. But they,
1: they, they,
0: they, They've scored 36 goals this season. They've they um, They've won nine won six but lost
2: thirteen. Importantly, you... you know what it is. I've just like reading them. Um, Chris is quite good preparation actually. For once, you know he's, he's going He's subversing sort of the genre a bit. He's not being completely rubbish. Um, quite dirt at work for Chris, obviously. And he's um, <laughs> no, and he's um, from what he said. The basically seem the epitome of League One in the teams, <laughs> but teams just do seem to have these like very patchy runs of form in yeah, League One, don't yeah, they? Definitely, yeah. The um, the tend to, like go on a few with a few games. You think, oh well, they could be in like in the round of playoffs, and then they'll. And they'll like lose a few games, and they can <laughs> win four in a row. It's just it is mad, and that's why I think that this Sunderland kind of like run of form is being kind of over and People have been a little bit critical because if this is our poor run, then that's excellent, really. Yeah. When you put it in context over the course of a season, and I know it's a point which I've, I've made several times, but. Even in seasons that you look back on now, and it was like Utopia, the best ever under Peter Reed with 105 points. We went on spells during that season where we drew games, and I'm sure there were people in like, the pubs of some of the times so that all were drawn to too many games. But the thing is, obviously, you didn't have Twitter back then where like, everything gets blown up out of proportion. and you some- walls. <laughs> and, and you've got, and you've, but you've got, now you've got like stats at your fingertips. Though, so if, you, if you're already thinking that things aren't doing going so well, you look on Twitter and there was a thing on yesterday suggesting that we hadn't created as many chances as our promotion rivals and Mm. a bit of confirmation bias kicks in and people start to panic where the reality is, but we just do have like a better standard player, so therefore we don't need the chances to score and the chances we create are probably going to be better quality chances and more likely to lead to a goal.
0: Yeah, and Matthew, those better quality players like Madger, Catamore back in the squad at the weekend, got to make the difference,
3: right? Yeah, I think... I think we miss Catamol. Sounds pretty obvious, but I think when he plays well, everybody plays well. Like he mm. gives the team such a massive lift, and sometimes even when he's not having a good game, just the presence of him actually being there can drag us through. Yeah, it's dragged us through tough periods, and even in this season, even against sort of lesser lesser quality teams than he has done in the past. I think adding him. I think the one missed though is still George Honeyman. I think who doesn't yeah, look like he's
0: going to nah. featuring at the weekend by the sounds of it. It's a bit disappointing because I mean, but the midfield. The, this, that's, I've said it a couple of weeks on this podcast. There seems to be some kind of deficiency between our midfield and the front line. Yeah. Whoever they're, whoever is leading the front well, line. Well, for me,
3: I think could well we could try and solve it if Matthews is back because you want, want to put nine, sweet Luke or in the middle. In the middle yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, he's been pretty great at right back, though, hasn't he?
1: Yeah, he's been excellent. Um, I th- somebody made it, might be new, Michael, the other week, made the point that. Um, if we'd actually bought him as a right-back and he was playing player the team, was it you? I can't claim credit for I believe that was Gareth. Uh, claim credit for it, it and expand, like, expand on the I point. I don't like praising Gareth. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, well, Gareth apparently said that uh, if we'd signed him as a right-back and he came into the team and was playing as he was now, you'd be, you'd be full of praise for him regardless. Yeah. The fact that we've actually signed him as a centre midfielder who... Let's be honest. Had a pretty tough start. Yeah,
2: mm. I think Craig Clark was suggesting that we put them in like the stocks at Keel Square and throw a rotten fruit at them at once. He Did stage. say that at one point. It definitely <laughs> it's
1: not like, that. Not like Craig Clark, really. Just but here call. we are. You know,
0: he's 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 playing. That is not care-taker. a direct quote from Craig Clark, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> he's, he's he's playing caretaker right back, if you like. He's yeah. scored four goals this season. He the energy. You know, he obviously is in love with the situation at the moment. Yeah. He's loving his football. Is there space for him in midfield, though, with the likes of Honeyman Cats coming back? I,
1: I think there possibly could be, yeah, because I, I think one of the problems is that, um, I mean, power was ideally, like, a box-to-box kind of shuttling player. And I I don't think it's unfair to say that, like, the red card situation has taken away from his game in that sense. I think he is... And I'm not saying it's, it's a permanent thing, but I think he is struggling kind of to make his mark. Certainly in the second half of games now, and I think, mm. I think, I think there's room for um, O'Neill, and especially if Honeyman's out, if yeah. Honeyman's not playing, really.
2: So should Honeyman miss out at the weekend, I think O'Neill would be perfect because to play like the more advanced midfield role, because as much as he's been playing very well, right back, Adam Matthews has had a great season and he is a very good right-back for League One level. I mean, don't forget we signed Adam Matthews in the Premier League to play in the Premier League. His
3: delivery as well is excellent. Yeah,
2: and another point I was going to make about all nine, it might bring out um, a different side of Charlie White, should he play, because... 09, when he was at Wigan, we scored quite a lot of goals, albeit at a slightly lower level. We scored a lot of goals playing off Ackham Fenway. Mm. And the idea yes. was, it would be kind of chaos for you. I've used that phrase twice on the show tonight, but anyway. So they would at play, least we got the title of the pod. <laughs> they, would <play laughs> a little, they would play a little bit more direct, and Ackham Fenway would get the knockdowns and create the aforementioned chaos in the penalty area. <laughs> and, Luke, and Luke 09 would make his runs that he'd get on the end of it. And as we saw against Shrewsbury, he can be quite an instinctive finisher. And obviously, his goal at Charlton, did he mean it? Possibly not, as Simon Grayson would say. <laughs> but, um, but his goal against um, Ch- um, Portsmouth was a very good goal as well. So yeah. he obviously can't finish, and he's had experience of playing off a target man. I'm not saying Charlie White is a pure target man, but he's certainly the nearest thing to a target man we have, so he could bring out the best in him. So what you're saying is we need to sign up in Fenway? Absolutely.
0: <laughs> right. Okay. I, for
1: that. I discovered the other day he's actually got an autobiography out. Let's read it. Would anyone like to and guess, do a podcast on it? Would anyone like to guess the title? Beast, it? beast Beast, beast or not. the Beast?
0: The Beast. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, well, let's hear from uh, our manager oh, Jack. I'm Ross. Say I can no, no, sorry. No, not even similar. Jack Ross is going to. He was speaking at the press conference today ahead of the weekend's fixture down at Scunthorpe.
4: Yeah, I mean, this, I found this league intriguing as well. I think I don't know if it's because of the, you know, for me it's obviously different in terms of the numbers in it and so a lot of the time you can look at a fixture list in advance and believe that you're going to play a team that's near the bottom of the table and yet the time you come in to play them they're sometimes in a really rich way form I have heard that already with a couple others this season um, and likewise it can be the, the you know that can be the reverse of that but sometimes you look and think oh we we'll that team that's maybe fourth or fifth By the time you get to that game they're maybe not on a good run so it's a it, the time the game comes around, sometimes the dynamics of a change, and it's like that for Scunthorpe this weekend. The recent form's been great. Um, again, because we'll sell out our allocation, I think they've encouraged their supporters to come out in numbers, as usually happens when we go, and all of a sudden the whole atmosphere changes around the game. So um, I keep saying we have got much better at dealing with away games this season, I think, as the season's going on. Um, and we're going to have to deal with Saturday as well, because it will be a challenge because of the form they're in, and also how they'll view the game you know, with us coming.
0: Our thanks to James Copley, who collected that audio on behalf of SunFM, who's let us use it here on the podcast. Right. A couple of other issues before we go. Manchester City have been big cryberries about the under-23s game. Chris, yes. should they be crying or should they shut
1: up? They should shut up. Why? <laughs> It's, it's just ridiculous. I mean, as has been pointed out plenty since we heard this story, first of all, don't enter the competition if you don't like when the games are on. Second of all, don't kick off that you might have to play your under-21s in a competition <coughs> for your under-21s. Yeah. And it, it's, it's just it's just arrogance. Like, yeah. let's let's be honest, like, the EFL have kind of stood up to them and said, okay, actually, no, we're going to play this when it should be played. But they were like, we we, uh, we thank Manchester City for whatever. <laughs> yeah, and please enter
3: next season. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. this is the
1: thing. The thing is, like, I'm, and I'm in no way standing up for Man City here, but you can kind of understand why they've tried to look after the EFL agreed to let them play all the ga- games in this tournament away. Away, yeah. So, because... Because apparently they were they were worried they'd lose money if they had to play them at the Etihad.
3: As well, that yeah, for what what famous. they're saying is, um, so he wanted to play his under twenty ones against Burton, which implies he's not taking that game very seriously. Now he's supposed to take every game as seriously.
1: He, he could literally put it, us four hours. What team could Burton not defend a nine 0
3: win? <laughs> what? you never know. Early goal.
0: he <laughs> <laughs> has got a go. No, Magic of Cluffy, you know, Michael. Uh, thoughts on the Manchester City under-21s I mean,
2: like, I mean I completely understand Man City's point of view because I mean they, they do need this money don't they <laughs> definitely better relying <laughs> on these gate proceeds to exist as a club you know yeah. I mean if only if you had like a billionaire tycoon like making like millions of pounds a day pouring money into the club I know. It's, as Chris says I can't really add much more it's just farcical we have already got the way with, um, as I say, it undermines the integrity of the competition, but this is even like a suggestion. Mm. I mean, imagine in the FA Cup if a team came out and complained about something because they wanted to play players in a, like, a different game. It's mm. just, it's ridiculous because we get constant lectures from the AFL about how we need to take the Czech Trade trophy seriously, but suspensions don't count as an actual game, but you can't play them anyway. Yeah but then you've got that, and then you've got the situation no, like this, and you play all your games away from home. It's, absolut- it's
1: just absolutely perhaps, ridiculous. Perhaps the thinking was, there's so little integrity left in this tournament, we might as well just get rid of the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: then, then what we'll do, we'll, um, these are views of uh, Michael Loft, not the Wise Men's podcast, <laughs> but we will also fix draws as well to get well, more yeah. publicity and bigger crowds, like the Port Vale Stoke game, and they saw, oh, Stoke took 4,000 fans, so oh, I'll tell you what we'll do, we'll have Sunderland versus Newcastle in the next round. Coincidence? Yeah, it's just nonsense.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, we'll find out. Uh, is anyone going on Tuesday night? I'll go down. I'll be there. Yeah, I've yeah, been on. every
2: round so far. Well, at home, anyway. Yeah, yes. Although I went to Morgan, yeah, so... Oh, ultra. He's <laughs> the <laughs> ultra in the room.
0: Right, <laughs> predictions before. Or well, have you got something else? That,
1: yeah, because, like, my stat oh, got go. some praise. Yeah, yeah. When we missed out the best start on here, right? which is that, and this very much feeds into what Michael was saying, about Scunthorpe being very League One. Okay. So they sold Neil Cox to Aston Villa in 1991. Okay. And in exchange, they got some seats. <laughs> <laughs> on <For laughs> their ground. I've got a
3: fact about their ground as well. It's identical to the Bescott Stadium as well. Before, oh, right. well, before they extended it. I well. don't know why anyone would care. But I, I like, many uh, How many
1: seats did they get for uh, Cox? Well, apparently, they, they kitted out one of the stands as an all-seater on the back of it. So, That's pretty good. Yeah. So did
0: you 200. see those? Did you see those seats online? I think ALS t- retweeted them this week. Uh, was it uh, newton Cliff FC or someone like
2: that? I can't remember the team. But, but... they basically just
0: took some seats from Rock Park, but you know when you could go rock up, up and just take <laughs> right. stuff. And,
2: the tremendous and they're thing still about using these full seats. not only still using them; they are still red.
0: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> they right. We're run out of time. Predictions for the weekend. Chris, we'll start with you. Sunderland down at uh, Scunthorpe. What's the stadium called again? Glanford, Bl- Glanford Park.
1: Glanford Park. Score going to be. Yeah. um 2-0 to Sunderland. 2-0 to Sunderland. Michael off.
2: Yeah, back on track. We're massive. Scum for the rubbish. 3-0 Sunderland. 3-1 <laughs> <Three laughs> Sunderland.
0: Right, thanks very much, guys, for your predictions. Find out what happens 3pm on Saturday afternoon. Join the lads on Monday for the usual Wise Men's Day podcast. Have fun if you're going down there. ticker. <laughs>